Hello and welcome to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. I have to apologize for this Mental Samurai recap coming out a day late. As it turns out, I was away from home when Mental Samurai aired, and I wasn't able to watch the episode until a day later when it became available on Fox. So I hope you guys will forgive me, and let's just go ahead and dive straight into the recap. The show began with a montage of the people losing on the previous shows. Everything is building up to the question, can someone become a mental samurai? Can they get all 12 questions right and then all four questions right in the circle of samurai? Well, as it turns out, we would find out this very evening. The first up was Kevin Hayes, a software developer. He actually works for Microsoft. They didn't mention that in the show, but he is a, a part of the Bill Gates empire. And he is a champion Rubik's Cube solver. And I can tell you that I did get a chance to see Kevin, and I did ask him to show me how rapidly he could solve a Rubik's Cube. And boy, it was pretty darn amazing. So I think that going into the run, I was thinking to myself, you know, Kevin is a very calm guy, very low-key, works under pressure, as you saw from his Rubik's Cube videos. So I thought, this guy's going to do well. Well, as it turns out, I really feel like that came through. Uh, We've mentioned in the past how the memory tower has been the toughest tower. That's the thing that people have gone out on. And he did a great job with the memory tower. There was one where there was a text message that had a new phone in it, and he vocalized as he was going through saying new phone, capital N, this, the, the other thing. And they asked which letter was capitalized, and he literally just said capital N a couple seconds earlier. So that was great. Same thing. There was a photograph of a toll booth with a series of lanes and he vocalized very quickly. All the different elements was able to just quickly knock it down. So great work on the memory tower. He also did great on another area, which was the spinning puzzle, right? Being able to pick out which of the spinning bicycles was different. I'm sure Clayton Anderson was thinking to himself, oh my gosh, spinning again. Good Lord. But he was able to make it, get the right uh, answer out there, and complete the course. I will also mention that probably the toughest moment on the course for him seemed to be when he was going trying to sound out the words of the Star Spangled Banner, which you have to admit is a very long song. This may be a strange thing to admit, but there are times when I'm just driving in the car and I will sing the Star Spangled Banner. So I know those words very well, but not everyone has these kinds of weird habits. Kevin then went on to the Circle of Samurai, where, ironically enough, he ended up losing on the first tower because he misspelled millennial. And again, part of this may be that Kevin's on the relatively old side for being a millennial. Millennials are people who are born sometime between 1981 and 1996. Uh, But Kevin did a fantastic job nonetheless, and we will look forward to seeing him on the season finale as he goes for the grand championship and that $250,000. The next person to take the stage was Marie Griddle. And one of the interesting things about Marie is she was actually the first person I met when I arrived in Burbank at the hotel where all of us competitors were staying. And I got there, uh, the the car service dropped me off, and there was nobody there to greet me. I'd gotten all these emails saying, producers or casting directors will be there to greet you when you get there. Nobody. And I was just in this hotel lobby, and they didn't have my room ready yet, so I couldn't go up to my room and relax. So I was just stuck there with my bags and stuff, waiting to see what would happen. Well, I looked around the lobby, 
And sitting over on the side of the hotel lobby were Meg, uh, were Marie and her sister. And so I went over and I struck up a conversation. I said, hey, are you here for this crazy game show? Turned out that she was. And she showed me those notebooks that she makes. And she said, you know, I think I'm going to make one for Rob Lowe. I think he might like that. So Megan was truly uh, an incredible, uh, friendly kind of person. I think you saw that on the screen itself. She was also a military spouse. So I know that she's definitely wanted to get out there and, and win some money. So she got out there, uh, did a great job, I think, both with being a competitor and with running the course. I thought it was awesome that she had her notebook on the podium for Rob to look at. Rob said he was going to keep it. I'm pretty sure he did. Those were some pretty neat notebooks. And she just had this great friendly energy. I also like the fact that she actually looked like she was being jostled around. Again, I'm sure Ava is being thrown around at the same rate for all competitors. But I got to tell you, it really felt to me like it was moving a lot faster. Some of these folks, they didn't move at all as they were being moved about. Well, I saw when Marie was being moved about, she definitely seemed like she was being moved about. Uh, I thought that was uh, absolutely hilarious. I do think it was very interesting. She went out on one of those knowledge questions, and it boils down to, would you know the answer to this question? The question was, which of these Sports Illustrated models have appeared on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue? And she had to guess between three supermodels, Chrissy Teigen, Tyra Banks, and Kate Upton, and say which one had been on the cover the most and which one had been on the cover the least. Now, I don't mind telling you, I don't think that the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue is very popular with mothers of two just guessing and she had no idea i think she put a good guess out there but in the end it wasn't enough and as a result uh, she left the competition but i think she made a great impression i sure hope that everyone out there who's listening thinks to themselves you know what i should go order one of those awesome notebooks from marie so i certainly hope that being on television being seen by a million people helped her with that the third competitor that went in this episode was Bam Bam Boys. Bam Bam is amazing. He's an MMA fighter. He had a samurai tattoo. I didn't know that. I definitely want to talk to him and ask him about that. Uh, but he also suffered probably the most painful defeat of the evening. It was another classic just a case of not knowing the particular phrase or knowing the particular person in question. In this case, he saw a picture of a hallway. He saw a picture of a bowl of oats, and he said, let's see, it's a hall and oats, and it's a musical group, and I have no idea. And, oh, my goodness, the audience was dying. Rob Lowe was dying. People wanted him to get it so bad because he said it. Hall and oats he just didn't say haul and oats lock it in and the funny thing is afterwards after he went out rob sang man eater to him he's like oh yeah i love that song so that's just one of those funny things uh goes to show you that it's not the knowledge of nuclear physics it's the knowledge of haul and oats and i will say if you like haul and oats you should check out a show that they have. It's available on demand. I think it also shows up online called Daryl's House, where Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates invites various famous musicians to come jam with him. It is phenomenal, great performances. These people obviously just love being together and playing together. So check it out, Daryl's House, Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates.
The next competitor up was Jamie Alexander from Honolulu. And as I watched her package, I thought, A, incredible confidence, incredible energy, and B, yes, another contestant who dislikes roller coasters. I was feeling very alone in that feeling. Uh, but while she had this great confidence and she was going through the course, I think what tripped her up was something we've seen elsewhere, which is the pace. And when it came to the pace, she was doing things that I don't think really helped her out. So there were a couple of times when she repeated the question out loud. Repeating the question out loud is essentially a waste of time. It's not really priming you to get the answer. It's just taking time off the clock. At one point, when she got to one of the questions, which was recognizing that Cosmopolitan was the name of the drink, she began to pick up the pace. But really, by then it was too late, and she still had issues where she took too long on questions. The final question that she missed, I think she would have gotten it if she hadn't been feeling the time pressure. It was the state capital where, because she didn't realize Neil Young had the initials NY, she couldn't know that it, she couldn't just simply read off that it was Albany. But she knew it was Alba, right? Alba. And she certainly knew Albany afterwards. Afterwards, but she's like, oh, of course, Albany. So once again, I want to emphasize that the time pressure is the thing. And having that time pressure weighing on you, looking at the clock, thinking to myself, "How I got to answer it now. If I don't answer it now, I'm going to have no shot at winning. Uh, again, great run. I would love to get in touch with her. She seems like a really interesting, really energetic person. And hopefully I'll be able to reach out to her and get her to come on this show. Finally, as the finale of the show, we had Nathan Gonzalez. And if I were to create a prototypically perfect contestant for the show. I think it would be someone like Nathan. And now Sam, by the way, I think is also incredible. And we're going to see some other incredible competitors as we come up. But I think Nathan really ticked off all the boxes in terms of being the kind of person that America wants to root for. First of all, he's an EMT. How can you possibly compete with that? Here's a guy who goes out and he's saving lives. And he did it to honor his mom because she was an ER nurse for 25 years. Oh, this is incredible. And then he's, a, he's engaged to be married and he wants to win money to help get his new life with his lovely fiance off to a great start. His family's there. He wants to do it with his family. They're all there in the studio. His mom, his dad, his sister, his fiance. And wow, just incredible. And then, of course, that's just the biography. Then, of course, there's his performance on the course itself. And I really do feel like he paved the way for an even better strategy. If you've been listening to the past podcast episodes, you know I've talked about, well, are you going to go all business or are you going to focus on being dramatic? And these two uh, different approaches optimize for different things. All business optimizes for getting the answers as quickly as possible, so reducing the time pressure. And dramatic, what dramatic does is it increases your chances of getting on the air because you're more photogenic, you're more telegenic, people like that. But taking more time decreases your chances of finishing the course. What I feel like Nathan did was something that was really interesting, which was to come up with what I would call fast and fun. And the key to being fast and fun was he was locking in things very quickly. His pace was incredible. He finished in record time. He got through all 12 questions with a minute, five seconds on the clock. I know it ran off a little more time after that, but that was the moment at which he knew the answer and locked it in. And what his secret was, was that while he was all business when answering the questions, 
he was really energetic as Ava was moving him around. So that's dead time. There's nothing you can do. And very much the very first time that Ava's moving into position, he says, Wee! And he was saying, Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And he was really using that time in a way that you heard Joey Gutman say he used that time. Let's go, let's go, let's go, getting himself into rhythm. But it's also great television. The only moment when I had a, a bit of a doubt, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it, the, the closest thing to a, any challenge to him was the uh, phrasing for Vanity Fair. And literally, I think it was the only time when he was looking at any of these questions when he even hesitated. Right? It was maybe three seconds at most, which would have been lightning fast for some of these other competitors. And yet that stood out to me because overall Nathan was so quick. So he finished all 12, and he went to the Circle of Samurai, got all four questions right, won $100,000, and celebrated in style. I have to say, I was incredibly happy for Nathan, incredibly happy for his family. Uh, I've actually looked at Nathan's Facebook page. He His, his wedding happened uh, after the filming, but before the show aired. So I know that hopefully now he'll be able to take that money and have a phenomenal honeymoon, uh, have a great time with his family. They had a special watch party. They had a cake with Nathan's picture on it saying, let's tune in and see if Nathan can become a mental samurai. Incredible. Well, obviously, Nathan becomes the very first mental samurai on the show. Truly a well-deserved honor, an incredible competitor, incredible pace, and bottom line, uh, I just thought that Nathan did a phenomenal job, and I'm so delighted to have gotten a chance to watch that run. And don't forget, we get to see him again in the season finale. So at this point, the folks who are going on to the finale, Sam Durbin, America's sweetheart, the handsomer Jonah Hill, Heather Hurley, not a librarian, strategic planner, all business and ready to go. Uh, and then, of course, Kevin Hayes, the Rubik's Cube solver, and our man, Nathan Gonzalez, the EMT. So that's four. We're going to have to see how many, port, how many more people make it in. We've got six more episodes to go before we get to the season finale. As we've seen, we could have one winner per show. We can make, we've already had two winners on a show. Maybe we'll have a show where there are no winners, although it would feel a little you know, disappointing. But we're going to have to see just how many people make it through. Anyways, that was another quick Mental Samurai recap from Chris Yeh, one of the Season 1 cast members. I hope you enjoyed the recap, and I will look forward to posting some interviews with the Week 3 contestants once I get a chance to get in touch with them. Thanks a lot for listening.